Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Elliot Towsley, and this is the Business of Music podcast. Thank you for joining us. My business partner, James Landry, and I go back and forth about how we can help independent artists market their own music. If you have more questions, follow us on Instagram or come to DeNovoAgency.com and we'll be happy to help. Enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Business of Music podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Elliot. I'm with James. James, what's up, man? Yeah, not much. How are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I, I'm excited about getting in the flow of this podcast. And we got some great feedback on episode one or, you know, the restart of almost like we're in, we're in a podcast bubble. Like the NBA had something going, they had to stop. And then they restarted when they <laughs> figured it out. We're kind of doing the same thing here. Um, but we had season a great two. conversation. Yeah, season 1A. Um, but we had a great conversation about Kanye West, about what he's doing with the masters involved with good music for artists like Big Sean, Kid Cudi, Pusha T, Designer, and Q-Tip was the artist that I could not remember last time. I knew his nickname, Abstract, but I know the Tribe Called Quest fans out there are were giving me the side eye for not being able to think of Q-Tip on the spot. So for that, I apologize. <laughs> um, but we're excited to be back here for another rendition of the Business of Music podcast. Um, this week, we had an interesting conversation come up with a client or two, and it was about what is called the Music Modernization Act. And we're going to take advantage of James being an attorney here. Um, but from my musician perspective, I don't know very much about this. Um, I know some of the results of it are now that in, there's some sort of payment increase schedule for royalty payouts um, from things like Spotify, Apple Music, you know, Amazon, Tidal, whatever it is you're using to stream music. I know that the, mod, the Music Modernization Act included something about artists now getting, you know, instead of 0.006% of a penny, they get 0.008 or something like that. And it's in 2024 or something like that. So like, yeah, it's coming, but it's not going to change much. Um, and it definitely doesn't account for like inflation back in 2024 that it won't even be worth what it is now. But all that aside, um, we had a great conversation about why Apple Music and Spotify in particular came out publicly and supported this act, even though you, you would think that now they have to pay artists a lot more. So just understanding pure dollars and cents and business that is Spotify, it's not a music charity, it's a music business. There's got to be some sort of ulterior motive as to why they're publicly supporting a bill that is going to cost them more money. So that is something that we want to dive into here today. And we're going to take advantage of James being an attorney who has done some research on this, on the Music Modernization Act. And we're going to let him tell everybody a, essentially a full breakdown of what this is, how it impacts you as an independent artist, and really what it means for the music industry. And in particular, why did Apple Music and Spotify so adamantly back this? And that's the end yeah. of my soliloquy. Yeah. So the Music Modernization Act, um, a lot of people know about it. 
just not realizing the name of it. But it is the bill that came out and told everyone they were going to get paid more money, like you said. So a bunch of artists were very happy with that. Um, Kid Rock, Kanye West, they were rumored to be uh, – Kid Rock was on Trump's side when he signed the bill. Kanye was rumored to be in the White House for the party, the after party of this bill signing. Um, it went through the House and Senate. No one opposed this bill. Everyone was very happy with it, and they viewed it as a way to bring copyright law to today's day and age with streaming. Um, before streaming, copyright really copyright law didn't touch on what streaming was. So everyone, this was lauded as a way to update copyright law and get people into it. Now, underneath it all, it the most basic level that everyone was talking about was the artists were going to get paid more. They were going to get paid more, more per stream because they deserved more. And they used to say that copyright law was not able to get them more money because copyright law was old and it was outdated. Um, so what ended up happening was everyone backed this bill. The House, the Senate, Spotify, Apple Music, they said it would it would make copyright law better and it would get artists what they deserve. But ultimately, there's obviously an underlying, underlying reason as to why the copyright why Spotify and Apple Music would want to pass this bill. And the reasoning behind why they wanted to do it was inside of this bill, there's actually a, they revoked a a right to an artist to sue for using their, their music without their permission on a streaming platform. So if you remember back in like, what, 2012, was it Taylor Swift refused to be on Spotify? Something like that. Um, Spotify, if they would have used her music would have been sued and would have lost a lot of money and attorney's fees. And what this bill did was remove the ability for artists to sue if they don't want Spotify to have their music on the platform. Spotify can still use it as long as they pay them the set rate that's in the bill. So what this did was remove all liability that Spotify ever had. Spotify's biggest loss of income up to this bill was lawsuits, paying for attorney's fees and paying these artists' fees because the artists didn't want their music on there. And this is why Spotify and Apple Music passed the bill, because without those lawsuits hanging over their head, this business doesn't have a expense anymore. They only pay per stream. And before, they could just put anyone's music on. Well, they could put anyone's music on there, and they might get sued if they didn't have permission, because most artists didn't give permission to just put their music up, and they viewed it as they were stealing it. The Music Modernization Act made it so that Spotify and Apple Music have a legal permission to take whatever they want, put it on their streaming platform, let it be streamed as long as they pay the owner the set 0.006 rate. Um, And obviously that rate increases over time, but what they did was they marketed that rate more than anything else. They're like, hey, we get you more money. You're going to get more money. Instead of 0.006, you're going to get 0.012 in six years. And that was the marketing technique. And this is why the House and Senate passed this so quickly. Like, yeah, sure, artists need more money. They deserve more money. But ultimately, it wasn't for the artists. This was lobbied by the companies, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, because it protects them. If you didn't sue, I think it was 2016, if you didn't sue before 2016 for a violation, it was taken away. 
So you can only sue for violations after 2016, which didn't occur anymore because the way the bills were written and different laws that were passed. So what Spotify did, um, this MMA, the Music Modernization Act, actually made it so that Eminem sued Spotify afterwards and said, you can't do this. And that's still going on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Eminem wins that. But really, the Music Modernization Act isn't artist-friendly. They can pretend it is. They're paying you more. But all they're doing is paying you more so that you can't sue them for taking your music and not paying you what you actually want. Because legally, as an artist, you can negotiate every license you give. But now you can't. You're no, no longer allowed to negotiate your streaming license payment. But if someone wanted to play your song in a commercial, there's no set rate. It, so why, if you wanted to be in a commercial, you wouldn't say, yep, every song that goes in a commercial is $1. Because you can negotiate that. But what the Music Modernization Act did was pull away your right to negotiate. And now you just have to abide by it. And if they use it without your permission, as long as they pay you, you can't sue. So why would an artist like Taylor Swift not want their music on Spotify? Because they want more money per stream. They know that having their music on Spotify... Eminem, Taylor Swift, they know that it's making Spotify more money than it's costing them. And like a, if they were in a commercial or a movie, they could negotiate and get paid what they deserve. Mm. But in this case, you can't. You're stuck making Taylor Swift and Eminem make the same amount of money as you do per stream on Spotify. I don't think it's fair. I'm not saying your music's horrible, but they have a certain level of attention and they'll draw right. certain people to subscribe to Spotify because they're on it. Right. And that was really what, I mean, if you think about it, that's what Jay-Z tried to do with Tidal. He thought his name was big enough to pull people to Tidal and sign up. It kind not. of was, but not to the level that it benefit him to stay off of Spotify long-term. Right. Now, is this one of those things that negatively impacts the 1%, but the rest of us benefit? It depends what you think a benefit is. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, it's going to negatively, there's only a certain number of people that actually lose out. Uh, mo the majority of people would not get paid at all per stream if they had to negotiate. Correct. Like right. Most independent yep. artists don't yep. get streams. Good point. So they wouldn't get anything. And instead they're getting something. Um, so the majority of people are benefiting because they're getting a little bit more than they would have gotten. But ultimately, if you're an independent artist like Lizzo and her song, Truth Hurts, for example, before it blew up, she was getting paid the same as when it blew up. And she has no negotiation power or leverage to change that. Mm -hmm. So it can impact everyone drastically, depending on if you ever catch. If you're not catching the change, the, it's so minimal money. I don't think it matters. Right. Right, right. Now, I'd, I'd actually argue most artists would put their music up on Spotify and not get paid per stream if it helped them get attention and make money elsewhere. Yes, most artists would. Because if it was, if Spotify hypothetically had the audience it has now and it said, yep, if you want to be, because the leverage Spotify has is their audience. 
And that's where most casual listeners are going to listen to music. So when Taylor Swift said, well, I'm going to take my music down, they're like, okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> like Jay-Z, a, a lot of Jay, most of Jay-Z's catalog was not available on Spotify until somewhat recently. So, and that's Jay-Z and Taylor Swift and Eminem fighting. The, n- name me a bigger artist. Like the Beatles aren't here anymore, you know, mm-hmm. or they don't get, they have, they don't even know what Spotify is most likely. <laughs> the Beatles is a good example. Actually, the Beatles weren't on Spotify for a while. Oh, that's right. They weren't on Spotify they weren't or on. Apple music. Until, they were only on iTunes. Exactly. And until this bill is about to get passed is about when the Beatles came up and they're like, fine, put our music up. And I wouldn't be surprised if the, if they, the trust negotiated a different rate. Kind of like labels negotiate a different rate. They're not getting paid 0.006 per six per stream. I doubt the Beatles because oh, it was before they, then. Yeah, but they also saw this bill was coming through. So mm-hmm. negotiate before the bill to save yourselves. Because once this bill passed, it doesn't matter anymore. If you don't want your music on Spotify, there's nothing you can really do. Um, Spotify has all control because of this bill. Well, don't they choose taking your license and using it? Like an ind- like. So if I'm an independent artist and I just want to put my stuff on Apple music, they can say too bad and put it on Spotify and just pay me. Yes. Now. Wow. Very interesting. Oh, wow. So yeah. Well, I mean, granted the tactic didn't work anyway, but now the threat of the leverage of Eminem saying, well, I'm going to take my catalog because really what it means is I'm going to give it an exclusive deal to Apple music or something. And I'm going to get my customers to go there. It's not just, Oh, I'm going to take it off. It's I'm only going to put it up over here and my fans are going to go there. And even Jay-Z Taylor Swift and Eminem don't have enough diehard fans. I'm going to say, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I love Jay-Z so much. You know what? I've, I've been paying for Spotify. I'm used to it. I like it. Now I'm going to check out this new thing and pay for that. And I don't know if I'm going to like title or not. I'm not that much of a Jay-Z fan. Most people can, I mean, I'm sure there are some people who did it purely. And then there's definitely some people who like, well, it's title is supposed to be really artist friendly. Think about this eliminates competition. There's no way someone else new can come in and make a streaming platform and have exclusive rights like Tidal did. It's impossible now. So forever, we're pretty much going to be stuck with the streaming platforms that we have. And for the reason people are going to change streaming platforms now is because the listeners want to change it for a benefit they get, not because artists get a better benefit. Oh, yeah. That's, been, that's how the music business has been operating since day one. It's about the audience. It's not about the artists. Um, because the artists are who the music industry pays. They're not who they make their money from. Don't get that mixed up. You, you do as an artist, don't make you in, your audience is what makes the music industry money. Not you. It's you having an audience. You are a gateway to these people's pockets. And even Eminem, Jay-Z, Taylor Swift, and the Beatles you find me a bigger conglomerate of leverage in the music business. And if they cannot negotiate enough or this, it just illustrates the point that it's not about the artists. 
And there are so many casual listeners, the casual listeners outweigh the diehard fans. So even if, if Spotify has 400 million paid subscribers and what on a good day, 2 million Eminem fans say, screw you, I'm going to Apple Music. Do you think they even really notice? That's less, that's a quarter of a percent in like, okay, yeah, sure. Maybe at a, at a $20 billion level business, like, yeah, that's a lot, but like not enough for them to be like, oh yeah, we're just going to do everything you ask. It's not like the NBA. The players have all the leverage in the NBA because if the players start up a blacktop league and say, screw the NBA, the NBA doesn't have an audience to sell shit to. It's different for Spotify. It's different in the music because the casual listeners are going to want their music and they don't necessarily care what is placed in front of them. They like the service of music being placed in front of them. Interesting. So, okay. And that was signed when? October, 2018, I think the 10th. So that, and I think it set increases through 2024. It set increases in terms of streaming payment minimum. Um, It doesn't set maximum. It doesn't set a number that every platform is going to pay. So I still would not be surprised if Spotify continues to hit that minimum and Apple Music pays a little bit above it for now. It may get to a point where they all just pay the minimum because it's just eventually going to get smaller year after year. And there's no reason now to not pay them to pay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because before, Oh, Hey, Hey Drake, we're Apple music. And if you, even if put your album out for the first week only on Apple music and we'll pay you more. Now there's no incentive because Spotify can go, cool. We're going to put it on Spotify too, because you can't do anything about it. And we're just going to pay you the minimum here and see you later. And wow. So man, what a terrible, what a terrible combination of the music industry and politics. What a dirty, dirty, <laughs> dirty swamp that must be. And no, no wonder they came out and got it passed so quickly. And Spotify and Apple Music were like, hell yeah. Or I don't know about Apple Music. I keep saying them, but I know Spotify was publicly backing this, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, this is, uh, it's amazing that no one, at all came out and opposed it in the house or the Senate, which tells you how much money these streaming platforms have to pay for votes. And that's how politics are. We know they pay for votes. Now, why, why did the government want this? They, Oh, the artists are getting paid. Therefore we get more taxes. Um, no, this was definitely just something that was pushed through based off of funding. Um, I'd say Spotify good. probably started pushing it um, and they had to phrase it in a way that benefit artists and they'd hit a bunch of other stuff in it. Then this happens all the time. Um, not to talk politics, every, but I mean, yeah, this November you'll see amendments on your ballot. Um, I don't know of any specific, but you'll, what you'll see is something like um, amendment two. it raises pay for teachers a dollar an hour. And everyone's like, yeah, let's vote for that. But then, as right. part of Amendment 2, it says something It takes like, away all funding from yeah. National Wildlife Refugees. <laughs> like, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> th- like, 2C becomes, like, oh, and it removes term limits on all congressmen. 
But right. you all want this because teachers get paid more. But in the back right. end, they're getting what they want from it. And that's all that, that happens all the time here. That's all that this bill was. Those motherfuckers. <laughs> now, I don't, for anyone watching this at home, I don't know if anybody noticed the light fall off of my computer. That was funny. But um, I'm also wondering here on the administrator side of things, when I talk, does it show me on camera or does it just show you? Because at first it was going, anytime I moved, it was focusing on me. And I was like, well, I don't want that. <laughs> so I shut off this featured pro setting thing. And now I don't know if I'm showing up at all. You can use the gallery button. That's, and oh, and then it, at once. Well, now, and but then, it's only, it's recording your screen. And which is both of us. Always. Sweet. Okay. Well, I was just curious. Yeah. Um, this is what happens when you try to do a podcast over Zoom in a pandemic. You're working on the fly, but so far, so good. Um, and today, well, last week, we had a great guest on, King Trey. He's from Chicago. And he was talking to us about how he got started, how he was able to lock down a Sprite sponsorship. Um, and how he was able to surpass, you know, 100,000 monthly listeners. And this week we have a guest coming on and he goes by Dope, D-O-P-E. He's based out of Charlotte and he has a song out right now called Mada, M-A-D-A, Make America Dope Again. And I'm excited to hear um, his story because he's been having a lot of trouble running advertisements for this song because the platforms like Google... Facebook and Instagram are deeming it a political ad um, because his music video, you know, he's taking a stance, but it's just interesting that it's like not, you know, controversial of all the things that are on Facebook or Instagram getting promoted, like a song called Mata, make America dope again with a couple references about, you know, his view on the politics and how Mr. Trump is doing, but it's just very interesting to see that they can throttle those advertisements. But like in the news, you hear advertisements all the time about some Russian company was running ads about fake news and fake sponsored posts to just cause miscommunication and, and chaos, but he can't promote his song. Come on. So I'm just interested to see from his angle what it is that he's been going through um, and what kind of mess. Because I know he was telling me that he's been going back and forth. This wasn't like he tried once and, oh, the, an automated message said it can't work. Like, I'm pretty sure he was talking to people on Facebook and they gave him the runaround of some bullshit um, why they couldn't promote a political mm -hmm. song. But here's another from the, from the legal point of view. What are some things that jump out like right away that that they're using as a loophole because my head I'm, I'm like 5% of a conspiracy theorist, maybe 10. So, uh, my thinking is just like, well, okay. Like, and like, I'm not a right. I am not right wing at all. But like my thinking is like, well, if Facebook hypothetically supports, su supports conserve like Trump and this advertisement is going against it, they could have, could be like, eh, no, we don't want you to change people's minds. That's our job. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's kind of like where I'm thinking. I'm like, is it that, is it that, or is it that it's 
purely political and they said no, but then they're also letting like, you know, actual fake news from other countries run ads. Like what the hell's going on? So you have to remember they're a private company and they can say no to anything for any reason they want. They're not a you private company though. Publicly or, traded, private. still a private company. It's not owned by the government. So they don't even have to oh, let you have a profile if they don't want. So they can do whatever they want. It doesn't matter. Um, they just recently updated their terms and conditions and licensing agreement. I did read that. And um, pretty much what they're saying is in addition to not allowing political ads and stuff like that in certain circumstances, we're also not going to even allow anything that can get us sued. So like that's like, is there some sort of legal term where they're like, yes, anything at all that might be bad. We, we can say no. And then they can be like, yes, this may have been bad. So we took it to, like <laughs> what, who is setting the well, definition of what bad is, you know? Let's ask dope what they said to him and we'll see, but yeah, they, they've got all final say. And ultimately I can almost guarantee that Biden and Trump are paying more for ads than oh anybody's, and that's part of. If it's going to mess with their messaging, I wouldn't be surprised if they're helping them out. Or but is it? We've got dope. Oh, is he here? So, yeah, let's ask him. All right, here he is. There he is, or connecting. He'll be here. Hey, what's going on? What's up, dope? How you doing, brother? There he is. What's up, man? Now, we were just talking about your struggle with trying to process advertisements for Mata. Yeah. So, I guess we can just... Well, can you give us a little rundown? I was telling folks about how... Facebook and Google are deeming this a political ad. And James was giving his take on like, you know, why Facebook is able to do what they do just legally. So why don't we, why don't you tell us a little bit about your process here and like what runaround they've been putting you through with everything going on? The initial uh, platform would be Facebook and Instagram. Uh, That's where I run most of my ads. And when I first put up the post of the song, at pretty much every post I put up, I make sure to hit the uh, promote button. And they were reviewing my ad and it came back and it did not get approved. And once I went to check why it said it held political issues, um, at first I didn't look too deeply into it. I tried to run it again, got the same response. So I hit the get more info button. And this is where they told me that in order to run political ads, they require uh, users to basically verify their identity, make sure they are who they say they are. And so I went through all the steps on Facebook. I had to take a picture of my ID, take a picture holding my ID up to verify it was me, put in my address, my social. Then I had to wait about a week and a half. And Facebook actually sent me like a five digit code in the mail. Once that okay. got there, I had to then go back into the, the Facebook site and put that code in. And then everything was set up. They said I was good to go. I linked my Instagram account. Everything was good. Tried to go run the ad again. And to this day, still, they're saying we cannot run your ad. 
So at this point, I think it's probably just a a supporter of his reviewing my ad and turning. <laughs> well, that's what we were just talking about that, and like we we've heard so much in the news about like oh Facebook, you know, obviously they didn't set him up, but like so they. Somebody got through the system. Some guy from Russia was running ads with a bunch of nonsense of that is political just to cause a stir, right? So I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, so how come that content can slip through and like they didn't go through that process or maybe because they did a couple of years ago, maybe that is now, that is why the process is now what it is. But even so you've gone, they can verify you're a person and now you're just a song that happens to have an opinion. And they can just say no. And that makes me think, well, does this go against like what Facebook wants? And then I ask why. And it's just like a lot of questions. And like James can probably have more of a take from the legal perspective of if he was hypothetically representing Facebook here, like what would they say? Like I said, they... I mean, ultimately, they can say no to anything for any reason they want. And if they feel like it's polarizing in any direction because of everything that happened before, they're going to deny it is likely what they're doing. Um, you can appeal all you want. But even I'd guess even if J. Cole put out the same video, he would not be able to run ads for it because it was too close to an election and they're trying to lock down. They even said that they're not going to do any new election ads within the week before election. They've already announced like, nope, nothing new is going to be allowed. So what we're going to see mm -hmm. is Biden and Trump releasing a bunch of stuff eight days before, a bunch of different ads and just continuing to promote the ones that succeed because Facebook's really trying to get ahead of it this year after what happened in 2016. Um, so I think if it's not coming from Biden or Trump at this point, they're not allowing it, period. If it's not coming from their parties, it does not matter what you're doing or who you are or what you're trying to promote. Um, even probably if someone like hands up, don't shoot was a song, they wouldn't allow it. It doesn't even have to be using his mm. MAGA thought. Um, the last thing Facebook wants at this point is to for your video to blow up and then someone come back and go, it's because of Facebook. Facebook helped this video grow viral during election and it made mm. a difference and i think as much as it would help you you don't want trump talking about you on a debate stage and using you as an example Can of you Facebook trying to trying to help biden <laughs> and that's kind of what the thought process is facebook is doing at this point i can only imagine this guy based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, right here in Charlotte. Very good town. Very. I thought everybody here liked me. Apparently not. There's a guy here. Some people say he's dope. I don't think so. I think he's kind of a lightweight, but he has a new song. Make America dope again. I say it's already pretty dope. Okay. It's getting even doper with the Donald. Okay. Donald is for dope. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, I think. Okay. Um, so yeah, man. Okay. So that's the latest single, that's a video that people can check out of yours. The song is on Spotify, video is on YouTube. Now, why don't you, can you give us a rundown about who you are both like personally and as a musician, a little bit of like your story? How did you get into music? When did you think you might be onto something? And like, when did you think that you might be able to make a business out of, you know, the studio you have there? So... 
I've been doing music for about 15 years where I've actually been recording and putting stuff out. At first, of course, it was SoundCloud, Bandcamp. Uh, the way I got into music was actually through my father. He used to uh, rap when he was younger as well. As a kid, I saw plenty of VHS tapes of him on stage performing. Um, there would be times where we're in the car, you know, riding somewhere and whatever song was on the radio, he didn't care what it was. He would start freestyling over it. Karen would freestyle over it and then we're going back and forth. And, you know, that was a, a bonding activity that we had when we were younger. Um, but I just loved it for so long. And my name actually used to be different than dope. The, uh, my, my dad was in the army and I know he retired as a sergeant. And when I was younger, I went by Young Sergeant or Young Sergeant ENT for entertainment. And then I think maybe about my junior year of high school is when it started where people would listen to my music. And every time they would hear something mine, they would say, man, this is dope. They would just keep on saying it. And it just became so repetitive in my head, man, this is dope, man, this sounds so dope. Eventually I just changed my name. And I'm real big on acronyms and dope stands for dare, overachieve and profit every day. That's something I inspire all of my listeners to do. Uh, go the extra step, go the extra mile, never give up with, with whatever you try. Don't be about money, but money is gonna come with what you do. Make sure you love what you do. Uh, but I think my music life and my personal life kind of just flow evenly together. I wouldn't really say that there is a big difference between the two. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a good point. Um, it, it, I think when I was an artist back in the day, like it kind of was separate. Oh, I have this little hobby. And then I'm like, you know, living my life. Eventually that hobby, if you're like super passionate about it, you think you're good at it and like you start investing in it, it kind of just becomes who very much part of who you are. And then, like you said, it's kind of, it goes together. Like if you start any bit, if you start a pizza shop, you're kind of eventually you're the pizza guy. <laughs> you're like, you're still you, you still have your life, but you're the pizza guy. And like, you're the, you're that dope guy was, was probably how a few casual people and casual listeners like, Oh, that's dope. <laughs> and that's cool. Now um, I've heard a bunch of your music, but I think a lot of our listeners haven't. And we have a section here sponsored by flow clothing company. And it's actually an artist based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And I think you, I might've introduced you guys, his name's Jiggy, but he has a company called Flow Clothing Company and portions of every sale um, go to supporting mental health in the country. And 2020 has been a great highlight of why mental health can be important. But if you can, based on flow, the flow clothing, how would you describe your flow? And do you have multiple different flows or is it all kind of one and one kind of, how would you describe it? Multiple different flows in everything that I do. I feel personally that I do a lot. I record, you know, all of my songs. I write all of my songs. Apparently nowadays, not too many people can say that. <laughs> asked all the time, do you write your own music? And I'm always thinking, man, that's a shock that people don't even believe that someone can write their own stuff nowadays. Um, I don't know how many of my music videos you've seen, but I come up with the concept for every single one. I record and edit every single one. I make sure I put it out. I do the marketing for it, the clothing, I design, I do the 
the promo for my clothing. I feel like I'm a one-man band majority of the time. Always looking to grow my team, but it's been kind of difficult trying to find people that are as serious as I am about it, especially when it's not their brand. So, of course, I'm always going to be the most serious one about it. But I'm, I feel like I do a lot um, when it comes to my music business and my flow. And I know it does get difficult sometimes trying to, let's say, drop a song, promote the song, and you also have a video and you also have merchandise you're trying to sell. So it's like you got your hand in every pot and you're trying to promote so many things at once. But I've learned to just tone it down, focus on what was my priority at the time, and then put majority of my emotional time into that and then kind of sprinkle a little bit of other things in there. I tend to talk a lot, so I'm waiting for James to have a question. <laughs> oh, I was frozen. Um, I don't have any questions. Wait, um, what do you have, Elliot? <laughs> Well, how long have you been in Charlotte or around Charlotte? I want to say I've been here for 15 years. Really, okay. when I moved to Charlotte was when I started doing the music where I was recording. Uh, living with my mom, I shared a bedroom with my brother. But I would go and I would get my own computer, microphone, speakers, uh, keyboard. I used to play around on that. Actually, I have it right over here still. Hell yeah. That I've been rocking with for a while now. but. <laughs> Yeah, she, uh, she's a little dusty. I got to clean her off. But yeah, I would keep my brother up at night a lot of times. <laughs> Either one with a bright computer screen or just over there recording or messing around with some mixing on a new song that I was working on. Yeah, I've, I've been here originally from Greenville, South Carolina, but I've come to love Charlotte and it's home now. That's interesting. Um, we have all, I live in Charlotte now. You're in Charlotte. James was in Charlotte like two years ago. And now here we are, a bunch of guys in Charlotte. And uh, we have one thing that I was talking to a couple of artists around here, and I know it, uh, an engineer here as well, and I wanted to talk to you, is I want to just take advantage of the fact of everyone here or take advantage of the opportunity of everyone in town and just kind of putting together a song or two and just for the hell of it, um, just purely for like the collaboration and see what we can do and see what we might be able to like yeah, because like there's nothing else we can do with music right now because of COVID and everything. So I think musicians, there's a lot of like, especially hip hop, it's like inherently competitive. And I think sometimes it's tough for artists to, to recognize that working with other people can benefit both. And you don't, it doesn't have to be a, a competition. And kind of be like, well, like, let's work together. Like Drake and Future, we're not competing on their album together. They're like, we're in this together. Let's put this project together and both benefit. And then we can compete with the others later. I think it's, yeah. The, the way that I uh, explain this to people, I have a couple artists that I manage. And there's just a couple artists that we're not at that level yet. But I give them so much information just because of everything I've learned over the years. And I'm constantly explaining to these guys that there is no universal law out there that says a fan can only listen to like this set number of artists. Me, 
giving this free game to another artist and helping them grow in no way is hurting me. There's no law that says, man, if this person is listening to them, they're not going to listen to me. So I'm all about helping everyone that I can grow. Any artist that I come across, I make sure that they know the game, stuff that took me these 15 years to learn. I'm like, let's hop on a phone call and in an hour, I'm teaching you the do's and don'ts. You say you have an idea of a way you want to try something. I'm like, hmm, sounds like a good idea. Did it before it didn't work. Try doing it this way. Not saying that my way is the golden way, but mm -hmm. I tell you based off of experience. And I have absolutely no problem doing that with other artists. Right. I think that's big. And something like I like to think about is like, it's not coming out of my check. I'm still doing my thing. They're still listening to me or doing my work. I'm still getting my check. Somebody else doing their thing and getting their check. It's not coming out of mine. So what do I care? And like, like Chris Rock and Eddie Murphy can both be super famous at the same time. And it, their fans are not one or the other. You can very much like both musicians, comedy, movies, they come in seasons in a way, you know, Tom Hanks might be really big because he had a big movie in the winter, but then by the summertime, it's, it's fucking Brad Pitt's turn. And it's not, they're not necessarily competing. I'm sure in the technique of, of acting, they want to, you know, keep their tools sharp and yeah, but it's not like, oh man, you know, fuck him. <laughs> unless you know like attitude and working together like that's different but just purely someone like the jealousy doesn't help and being butthurt about it doesn't help either yeah i've run into a lot of artists that i have tried to help um, i gave them the same information that i gave everyone else but ultimately at the end of the day it's going to be on you to put in the work i can tell you steps to try to get somewhere if you don't do the work it's not going to happen so when i'm looking at monthly listeners and I see you're at a steady decline or you're just not growing at all. And I'm like, I told you what to do. And then I look at other artists that I gave the same information to and I see them growing like it's the first of the month now. So of course we got that email from Spotify. You know, this artist had this many yep. Well I'm looking at every artist account that I have access to and I'm like, you're putting in work, you're putting in work and you're not doing a damn thing. Right. But I mean, I've, I've had people block me. I've had people on not talk to me anymore. And I'm like, you can't be hurt that I gave you the tools and, you know, you didn't, you didn't use them properly. Mm -hmm. We run into it all the time. Well, a lot of people don't like to hear the truth. Um, and you, there's a, a line you have to walk. Cause like, we're kind of in the same business, right. Of helping artists like, and you're not every artist we work with is great. Um, and we don't want to be like, Hey, your talent. We don't like to talk about the talent because largely it doesn't matter what I think it matters what the audience thinks. So, and like James likes to say, like, I, I do really do not like Takashi six nines music. And if it was up to me, he would not have a fan base, but clearly there's a tension. So it doesn't matter what I like really. Um, but, oh, I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> if we, if we talk about talent. Was it a metaphor? 
Probably. Oh, the putting in the, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I got it. See, it's only, we're redoing the podcast. We're re, we're working off the rust. My brain isn't used to talking this long, believe it or not. But so many people, there is such a difference between making good music and being a good marketer. And so many musicians think that 90% of the work is the song. And while the song is really good, it should grow because it's a great song. Like, okay, sure. But like a, a, a huge, here's the metaphor, a huge snowball running down a hill doesn't just appear. You got to at least get the initial work and put in the work to grow the little snowball and get enough to fucking roll the thing to let it kind of do its own work. So many people just make a song and say, well, it's snowing. Where's my huge snowball? Like you didn't make it like, yeah, maybe it's snowing. You got everything you need. You need, what do you want? More mittens? <laughs> but yeah. Other artists that have that same mindset of I made the song and it's not going anywhere. Well, I tell them, Hey, you made the song, now you need to promote it. You need to put it in front of people just because the song is good, which majority of the time it is a good song. And, but you don't put it in front of people, they're not going to know that. But the main thing I hate from artists that have this mindset, they also share the same mindset of, let me put out more music. And I'm like, right. why? And they say, they say oh, I, mm -hmm. I have a lot of music unreleased. I'm like, you need to promote what's already out. Like, man, that stuff is old. To who? Nobody's heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You knew as soon as they hear it. Like, it's good music. Just because you put out more music, if no one's listening, just because you put out more doesn't mean people are automatically going to start listening. You have to start with what you have out, like you guys say. Like, there's no point in putting so much money into buying beats and paying for studio time and mixing and mastering fees and distribution fees. You already have the song. Take that money that you were going to spend, promote it. Right. Absolutely. We couldn't agree more. Um, and it's different. Say if you have 20,000 monthly listeners and you have a fan base and your songs are growing on your own or on their own, then sure. Feed a song out every Tuesday if you want. But if you don't, and I think a lot of people miss interpret what Spotify and what their algorithm does. I think a lot of clients think that like an actual person, every time a song is uploaded, like a guy listens to it and goes, wow, you know, this sounds just like Kid Cudi. I'm going to put it in this huge playlist because I'm really nice. <laughs> like, I think a lot of clients think that like people, like somebody at Spotify listens to their song and says, this is good. Let's put it on release radar. And they don't. There are 40,000 songs uploaded every day. So they don't have to look, their algorithm doesn't have to look far to find patterns of, oh, wow, a new song. The people who like this artist also like these other artists. Boom. Nice, clear pattern. Put this song over here. Done. But data. Nothing but data. And if they, artists so often rely, they put, they think 90% of the work is the song itself. That's only like the first 10%. It's got to be a good 10%. You got to make a good song. But the work, like you said, is in now that I've got this product, I have to sell it. 
If I'm selling merch, if I'm selling hoodies, just having a hoodie available isn't enough. I need to market it and sell it. It could be the nicest, most comfortable hoodie in the world, but you still got to tell people about it. And not even that, but word of mouth, I've learned is always going to be the best promotion. I can post on my story a hundred times a day, hey, this song is amazing. The fact that it's my song, no one's going to believe. And that's why I'm real big on people sharing my posts, making sure they tag me and stuff once they do, because it's, I don't want to say it's a monkey see, monkey do type world, but Mm. if someone sees that someone else is listening to your stuff, they start to get FOMO, especially when so many people are like, all right, what am I missing out on? And let me go check this out. I know he said it was good, but I didn't really want to listen to that. They're saying it's good. Let me give it a chance. And that that goes with merchandise, the videos that I put up and all my that's a big reason uh, Spotify is beneficial to artists because it does tell you the streams yeah. and it gives that benefit, that psychology benefit of other people seeing how many streams you have and not wanting to miss out and giving you a chance. Um, it also does hurt you on Spotify if you have less than a thousand streams. So it's that kind of middle ground, but that's why Spotify is so much more beneficial than Apple Music in terms of promotion. Yeah, I've never even, I think I've looked into Apple Music promotion one time before, but once I just came does i know that it's that's probably not going to be as beneficial for me i remember there was a time i was in the gym and i promote literally everywhere i go like i hate to say it but i could probably be at somebody's funeral and if i see someone that looks like they <laughs> and i feel like i have one that's going to be a fit i'm probably going to be over there in in their ear trying to uh tell them about my music but i was trying to promote to someone at the gym before and they told me that they use spotify I told them my artist's name, and once they pulled me up, I think at this time I had like 5,000 monthly listeners, and at the time, this was before I had even met you guys, and I didn't really know too much about the monthly listeners, uh, but it was the first time that I had gotten that reaction where the person said, wow, you got 5,000 people listening to you, and that point let me know that it's a numbers game, and oh, yeah. we'll see this data, when people see uh, your analytics to show that you have this many streams, like you have this many plays on a video, this many people listening to you, they want to be a part of it. Absolutely. That goes into like when often a lot of clients ask us what a good call to action is. And we posted something that got a lot of comments the other day where it was like the guy from Jurassic Park. We're like, oh, look, his music's available on all platforms. And then like, look, nobody cares. Because that's not a value add. That is just what, like, available on all platforms. If that's the call, that should be the very last thing after you. I've hooked you with a call to action. Good, check it out on all platforms. If if that is the purely only call to action, it's not a good one um, because it's not catching at all. And using something like. Wow, my song, I've already got 5,000 monthly listeners on my last song. Thank you so much for the support. You don't even need to say, go check it out. It kind of is inherent. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, you scroll Instagram and like every third to fifth post you see is going to be a sponsored ad. Everyone that I come across that's related to music, the first thing I see, available everywhere, out on all platforms. And every time I see it, I'm like, you did absolutely nothing to hook. 
And the fact that sometimes I'm scrolling with my sound off, I didn't even hear your song to even know if it's good or not. But just seeing mm. that, I'm like, I don't even want to turn the sound on. You're, you literally did nothing to hook me. Okay. It's available everywhere. Why should I go listen to it? And like right. you guys, every post that I put up that I know I am going to end up promoting, that available everywhere or out on all platforms is definitely going to be the last thing that I put up. The first line is something that's going to draw you in. And I know that even you type too much, Instagram's going to cut it off, you know, so mm-hmm. you can't see it unless you hit more. So I'm making sure I fit exactly what I want to say in that area that's not going to get cut off just to draw people in. Once I started doing that, I started seeing my shares go up, the likes and comments, and even the saves. And I know that's the people that, you know, are probably sitting on the toilet at work with sound asking, okay, this caption drew me in. You know, I don't want to have this playing while I'm in the bathroom at work, so let me save it for later. Yep. Yeah, and that's exactly what we want to see. And you're doing a great job, and I know you've done a great job of taking the data from your Spotify promoting and kind of saying, all right, I've got attention here and here from people that are this old. Let's target those audiences outside of Spotify and double down on what information we have. Um, and I know, yeah, unfortunately, you couldn't do that with Mata, but the next song will make sure that it's working real well. Um, There we go. So everybody get ready for the deluxe version of dope's album. Go check them out on Spotify. Check out the video for make America dope again on YouTube. Um, because Facebook doesn't want you to look at it apparently. So go take it, uh, take a look at that on YouTube, listen to dope on Spotify and check them out on our, uh, Instagram. You're there and check out his Instagram as well to learn more. Um, let's all get together in Charlotte when James is up here in like two weeks. No, three. Never mind. Oh, a month. Well, I, yeah, a month. Yeah. So in a month, we can all get dinner. But before then, you and I should get together. Um, yeah, man. So thank you very much for your time today. Is How should we let you leave it today? I said, wake up, pray, be dope. I want everyone to dare, overachieve, and profit every day. No matter what you do, put your best foot forward. Hell yeah. Love that. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. My name's Elliot. That's James. This is Dope, and this has been the Business of Music podcast. Thank you for listening to the Business of Music podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. For more content like this on how to help yourself as an independent artist, join us at denovoagency.com and check out a lot of our free resources. 